everyone and welcome to the third edition of the Employment Law Podcast brought to you by the lawyers from EI Legal. This is a weekly podcast we do um, on all things employment law aimed at HR professionals, in-house counsel and anyone with an interest in this area. I'm joined by Ahana Lakia and Antonia Randalls who are lawyers in the EI Legal team and some weeks we talk about a particular topic um, or legal area. This week there's been so much going on in the world of employment law. We thought we'd just do a roundup of, of some of the big um, big stories um, that have been um, circulating. So I'm going to talk about the uh, wage theft bill. Um, Antonia's going to talk about changes to the minimum wage and Ahana's going to talk about the work pack uh, and Rosato uh, case which um, is being appealed. So um, yeah let's just jump straight into it then. Um, so yeah on the 16th of June the wage theft bill was um, passed in Victoria um, and that is due to come into effect on the 1st of July 2021, um, if not sooner. Um, and it, uh, it is, uh, yeah, if you kind of look back to the sort of times before COVID, the big topic that everyone was talking about in employment law was, was wage theft. There was a number of kind of big profile companies, restaurant chains, supermarket chains, um, some real high profile businesses um, that had had been found to be underpaying their employees and it was a really uh, a big area of focus. That obviously sort of lost a bit of um, focus with, with COVID-19 but um, you know in the meantime the, the wage theft bill has been working its way through and the Victorian Parliament and that's now been passed and it really is I guess a, a significant piece of legislation in that um, for the first time it criminalises um, uh, offences relating to underpayment of employees so as we know already you know, there are obligations under the Fair Work Act to, um, to pay employees correctly um, and that businesses and individuals can be can be subject to quite high financial penalties for for breaching those provisions. But this is um, this is new in that it creates a criminal offence, which will mean, um, aside from uh, the 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 financial penalties, which can be um, issued under under the Wage Theft Act. There is also the possibility for individuals, so directors or senior employees, facing um, to face up to ten years' imprisonment. So that is is really obviously a significant change. The idea clearly is is to put um, a, a big deterrent on employers underpaying their staff. Um, looking at the the detail of of the act, it it. Although it's it's um, you know called the Wage Theft Act, it, it actually is quite broad in, in the kind of entitlements it, it covers. It's not just wages and salaries, but 
also creates offences um, relating to employees not being provided with entitlements to annual leave um, uh, and all those kind of um, other sort of uh, entitlements under the National Employment Standards. Also, long service leave and superannuation, which aren't matters that are really dealt with in the Fair Work Act. So it's quite broad. It covers um, obligations in respect of, of pay under modern awards um, and the Fair Work Act, but also under contract. So it's, it is very broad in its scope. Um, the offences, um, obviously because the, the penalty can be quite severe, to be guilty of an offence under the Act requires um, dishonesty on behalf of the employer. So, um, you know, under the Fair Work Act, it's it's uh, it's an offence just to underpay an employee, um, regardless of whether it was intentional or not. What what is new in this Act is that uh, an employer must have um, have been uh, dishonest in the underpayment, um, so uh, that you know that requires them either to have done it deliberately, or um, to have been um, reckless um, in in respect of the underpayment. So the Act makes clear that that the dishonest test is an objective one. It's not so much about what was in the mind of the employer, but whether a reasonable person would have considered them to be dishonest, which probably means if, if you've got an employer who, you know, just buries their head in their sand, ignores, you know, rules about pay rates, etc., that could potentially still fall foul of the Act. Um, the, the sort of last thing I, I'll say about it is... Um, there is an offence both for not um, paying employees correctly and not giving them their correct entitlements, but also in respect of record keeping. So an employer who's found to have deliberately um, falsified records or deli deliberately not, not um, uh, kept records in order to um, avoid, uh, you know, and, and disguise sort of underpayments and the like that will also create offence, an offence which um, can um, lead to jail time. So it's only in Victoria, only for employees or employers based in Victoria, but um, it, it is uh, it is a significant um, piece of legislation, and we will have to see how things that um, play out. I suppose that what one other observation. The, some of the controversy of, of the Act is we already have the Fair Work Ombudsman who uh, investigates and has powers in, in respect of underpayments. We now will have a new um, uh, body, the Wage Inspectorate Victoria, um, which which will have um, you know overlap, overlapping powers, and it's it's not clear um, if a business is is you know being investigated how those two agencies will will work together and there have been kind of arguments that having this overlapping regime is, is unconstitutional so we will have to see how that plays out but as it stands um, yeah some significant uh, changes um, going to come into play in Victoria.
Okay, <laughs> thank you, Simon. So next up in our little employment law roundup, I will talk a little bit about last week's decision of the Fair Work Commission to increase uh, minimum wages. So on Friday of, of last week, the Commission announced a 1.75% increase to minimum wages and that will apply to all awards. But unlike previous years, the increase will actually come into effect uh, on three different dates. So the Commission in making their decision acknowledged that different sectors and different industries have been affected and impacted by coronavirus in different ways. And so they made the decision to divide all modern awards up into three separate groups. And each group then has a different operative date. So a different date that that increase will then apply. So based on ABS data, it was determined that group one was less impacted by coronavirus. Group two was impacted, but not to the extent of group three. So group one's operative date is the 1st of July, 2020. And this group includes frontline healthcare workers, teachers, and other essential services. Group two's operative date is the 1st of November, 2020, and includes industries like construction and manufacturing. And group three's increase will come into effect on the 1st of February, 2021. This group including uh, retail accommodation and food services who were severely impacted by coronavirus. The Commission acknowledged in their decision that this grouping and their system that they'd adopted was an imperfect one, but they, they considered that this staggered approach really struck the right balance between the interests of both employers and employees, and really struck that balance, I think, between all or nothing. So either an, a high increase for everybody on 1 July or no increase, as some submissions uh, had put forward. So for those not covered by a modern award, the national minimum wage uh, will increase from the 1st of July and it will go from 1949 per hour to 1984 and that will mean an increase of $13 per week uh, in the minimum weekly wage. Something I should also mention is that the high income threshold will also increase from 1 July so it will increase from 148,700 to 153,600. So the high income threshold affects the operation and eligibility of employees to access several Fair Work Act provisions. For example, um, award and agreement free employees who earn above that high income threshold are unable to bring an unfair dismissal claim. And it can also impact the application of award provisions in certain circumstances to employees, and also the maximum amount of compensation payable in unfair dismissal claims. So that's uh, what happened last Friday. So uh, over to you, Hannah. Thanks, Antonia. I think um, the Fair Work Commission's decision will certainly be a relief to some of our hospitality and restaurant clients. Um, gives them some breathing space until Absolutely. February Absolutely. before they have to increase their wages and you know they've been quite severely impacted by COVID-19 so yeah I think it's a good decision. Um, anyway so I am going to discuss briefly a recent court decision 
which has been receiving a lot of attention lately. Um, and that's the case of Workpack and Rosato, which was handed down on the 21st of May this year. And we've, we've been discussing this amongst ourselves, but we've noticed that there's a lot of commentators um, who are discussing the case under headlines such as casuals are now entitled to annual leave mm. or employers are now required to back pay casuals millions of um, leave entitlements. That's not actually the case and I wanted to clarify why that's not the case. Um, so you may have heard of an earlier decision involving Workpack, which was the decision of Workpack and Scheme in 2018. In that matter, the full court of the federal court confirmed that Mr Scheme, he was in fact a permanent employee and therefore he was entitled to permanent employment benefits such as annual leave, paying for public holidays. Um, Workpack actually chose not to appeal the scheme decision to the High Court, but what they did was they commenced separate proceedings seeking declarations that another one of their employees, who's Mr Rosato, was in fact a casual employee and therefore not entitled to paid benefits such as annual leave, personal leave, payment for public holidays. So some of the background facts in this Rosato decision are that Mr. Rosato worked for Workpack continuously for three and a half years. He was given a roster of his shifts in advance, and some of these rosters actually covered a period of up to seven months. He worked virtually every single shift that he was rostered during the three and a half period, um, and he was a driver on a mine site, and he worked seven days on and seven days off. And when he, he was seven days on, he was actually provided with accommodation on the site. So the court actually confirmed that the true um, nature of a casual engagement includes irregular work, an ability for an employee to accept or decline shifts um, at will, and a lack of an advanced commitment. Um, and relying on these general principles, which were also applied in the scheme decision, the court found that Rosato was in fact a permanent employee because he worked an identical shift pattern, which was seven days on, seven days off, throughout three and a half years, which was clearly a regular pattern. There was no real ability for him to accept or decline shifts at will when he was tied to a roster up to seven months in advance. And the nature of his work, which was basically him being on a mine site for seven days, also meant that it was almost impossible for him to decline shifts when he was on site. And the advanced roster of seven days on was also a further evidence of an advanced commitment um, of work. So the course decision is perhaps not that unexpected um, because the nature of Mr. Rosato's employment was similar to that of scheme. Um, and therefore they were likely to follow the scheme decision. And therefore, the court found that Workpack um, had an obligation to pay Mr. Rosato paid leave entitlements and public holiday entitlements because he was in fact a permanent employee. So I wanted to clarify that the case is not saying that casual employees are now actually entitled to leave entitlements. The case actually, the court actually found that Mr. Rosato was a permanent employee and therefore he was entitled to um, entitlements that permanent employees usually receive. But the Rosato case actually goes a step further than Sien because the court found that Workpack couldn't set off the casual loading that was paid to Rosato 
in respect to any leave entitlements that he was now entitled to. Um, and some of you may recall, but following the decision and scheme, there was a provision inserted into the Fair Work regulations to prevent double dipping in these types of matters. Um, and the provision essentially allows an employer to have the casual loading that is paid to employees taken into account when determining um, the amount that's payable to employees in respect to um, their relevant entitlements. But what the court said in Rosato was that WorkPack was not able to rely on these regulations um, and they said that Rosato was not claiming payments in lieu of his entitlements but was just claiming the actual entitlements under the National Employment Standards. So the decision goes against what the intention of the regulations were and basically you can argue that it renders the regulations ineffective. So unsurprisingly, this is the aspect of the case that's caused a lot of confusion and uncertainty with employers. Um, and as Simon mentioned before, WorkPack has now sought special leave to appeal the decision in the High Court of Australia and the IR Minister, um, Christian Porter, has also confirmed that the government would intervene. Um, and he noted that this case has created confusion and uncertainty during a period of time where businesses are really facing their greatest ever challenge. So we will keep you up to date um, about any further updates in relation to this decision. So watch this space. Yeah, thanks, Ohana. So um, yeah, obviously that, the, the point about the um, double dipping regulations and um, whether they um, are of any use to an employer or not is, is will obviously be a key part of the appeal, I guess. But in respect of the finding that Rosato was a permanent employee, that seems to be less controversial, especially following Skeen, as, as you say. So do you think there are, are lessons that employers can take from, from the Rosato case about um, you know, how they arrange their casual workforce um, to, to make sure or to try and ensure that they don't kind of fall down where WorkPack did with, with Rosato? Yeah, I think employers should definitely sort of review their current casual engagements, especially the long-serving ones. Um, because if there's any sort of regular shift pattern or there's like an advanced commitment of work, um, that is an indication that that employee is more likely to be a permanent employee. And employers should perhaps consider offering permanent employment to um, their existing casual employees, especially if they've worked a regular pattern over the last 12 months. Some awards actually um, have casual conversion um, provisions within them, which require employers to um, convert employees to permanent employment when employees request this. So I think it's definitely a good time for employers to sort of review their arrangements that they have in place for casual employees and seek advice as appropriate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess I guess for WorkPack, its arrangement with Rosato and, and Skeen was, was fairly unusual in that they had this really long roster. So I think for, for mm. Skeen, it was sort of up to 12 months. And you said with Rosato, it was this kind of seven-month mm -hmm. roster. I mean... If you're if you're giving casual employees that sort of um, set pattern of work over such a long period in, in advance, it, it, it you know it's 
I think it's virtually inconceivable that you could win a, an argument that, that they're truly a casual um, in those circumstances. So I think employers do need to look at their rostering arrangements and where they can, you know, try and avoid rostering so far in advance and, and making sure that there is a process for a casual employee to be able to accept or decline a, a shift, you know, which is, is sort of in the true nature of, of casual employment. Yeah, I agree. And also, the other thing is, don't panic. <laughs> this, you know, this decision doesn't mean that you sort of panic and think that all your casual employees are going to be entitled to permanent um, entitlements. Um, but it's definitely a time to sort of review your arrangements. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose as, as well with, with the changes to the minimum wages, it, it's, uh, it's a good idea to, to look at pay rates and what you're paying employees and all, all that kind of stuff um, as well to make sure um, that people are being paid correctly. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's quite surprising. Um, we often find that clients are actually unaware that this happens every year, that the Commission um, reviews submissions and makes a decision on minimum wages and, and that will normally come into effect on, on 1 July and it's normally an increase. So it's, it's good just to be across, if you have employees that are covered by a modern award, um, it's, it's vital, it's one of the most important things is to be across the fact that those rates most likely increase every year around 1 July or there's at least a decision that comes out in the middle of the year from the Commission. And something to add to that as well, which some employers might be unaware of, is if you have an enterprise agreement, you should check if there's a clause in there which basically um, creates an obligation for you to increase your rates every year, regardless of whether the Fair Work Commission has made a decision. So mm. it's definitely important to keep that in mind and um, check that every year as well. And I suppose as, as well as that, there's that obligation under the Fair Work Act, I think it's section 206. Correct. Yeah, that, got it. Um, <laughs> that's, that, that means in effect, if you have an enterprise agreement, the, the base rate of pay you pay employees under that enterprise agreement can't be lower than the base rate of pay in, in the modern award that will underpin the agreement. And if the modern award has crept up through these wage increases in the base rate of pay in the award has overtaken the enterprise agreement, then your obligation is, is to pay what's in the award rather than the in the enterprise agreement. And I think a lot of businesses sometimes don't um, understand that, you know, the, the rates in the enterprise agreement would have been um, higher than the rates in the award at the time the enterprise agreement was made. It's, it's virtually certain that was, that would be the case because um, the agreement would have had to pass the, the better off overall test in order for it to be approved. But because the minimum wage in the award tends to go up each year, it, 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 there will be a point where those rates in the award overtake the enterprise agreement and, and as an employer you need to to sort of, ev every with every minimum wage increase, make sure that the rates you're paying under the enterprise agreement are still valid. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I think that's, you know, something businesses need to kind of 
look at, bear in mind these uh, increases coming into play. Um, yeah, and I suppose to kind of link it all back together thematically, um, the the importance of, of getting this right is 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 now more than ever kind of more important we're going to have criminal sanctions in victoria for for underpayments as as i've said um, who knows whether kind of other states will follow suit but regardless there are still sort of heavy penalties which um, businesses can be um, uh, faced with under the fair work act for, for underpayments um, regardless of, of whether that um, also involves a criminal sanction or not. So, yeah, if, if people do need assistance, they can, of course, um, reach out to us at any time. Um, we're at uh, info at eilegal.com.au. Um, that's, pro that's probably all we've got time for today. But, um, yeah, just it's been great to have your um, company once again. Um, course everything we talk about here is is kind of general in nature and if you do need advice on your specific situations do um do reach out um thank you as ever ahana and antonia thanks simon and thanks everyone for tuning in